fullness of life, discussing topics important to your life of faith and ways to grow in a life of grace. Join us each month as we inspire listeners to a deeper relationship with the Lord to live his fullness of life. Now, here's your host, Letty Medina. Welcome, everyone. This is Letty Medina, and I'm here with... Dick Tom. And we are um, doing our monthly show within a show. So I have this monthly show, Fullness of Life. But once a month, we come together for a half-hour show called More Than Conquerors, where we talk about spiritual warfare and the realities of um, different... uh, things that can come against the people of God as they move towards growing in holiness. So this month, the topic we want to focus on is the topic of yoga. And that's a topic that has a, is uh, rife with a lot of confusion. And the reason is that yoga is exploded all over the place. Right, Deacon Tom? No question. It has definitely grown in in popularity all across the United States in particular, but other places as well. And uh, part of, obviously, the natural appeal is that it has lots of health benefits. It's being taught in hospitals. It's being taught in even public and and Catholic schools. It's being um, growing rampantly throughout the course of the United States. And and I think, you know, one of the reasons that people get so confused is because they say, well, you know, I just want to do it as an exercise. Why don't we kind of break down some of the things that we want our listeners to understand about why we believe there are risks um, regarding this form of of exercise? So why don't we talk a little bit about what the word yoga comes from? So yoga is... The actual word itself, it's a Sanskrit word. Um, It has its origins and roots in Hinduism. And so, you know, it's an Eastern meditation practice. And the actual word itself, it actually means yoke or unite. So even within the word itself, right, Jesus clearly speaks to us in Scripture and says, you know, that he wants to ease, right, our burdens, right? And the yoke that we should place upon ourselves only right it is his own and so that's obviously a, you know an immediate conflict just in, in terms of the actual origins of the word itself but if we go a little bit deeper into the understanding of of what yoga is intended for what the actual origins of purpose is, is it goes into you know classical hindu philosophy and is referred to in in the vedas which is the the indian scriptures so it's the equivalent of our native bible right and and it talks about really that that yoga itself is intended to bring people into a spiritual state in order to release you know the the chains or the cause and effect of karma which ultimately prevents people from going into a state of reincarnation and so that's the the purpose of yoga so that you adopt these poses and in particular, these meditative breathing practices, right, that induce calm, that induce, you know, a state of kind of a an inner euphoria, to, so to speak. And, um, and so it also just, like I said, it is used for these purposes for alternative means to, to bring about natural health within the body. But it does obviously point in terms of its origins to a spiritual discipline Th- there's there's real roots and these things are 
if you speak to people who are are true Indian natives who actually practice yoga, they will explain to you it is a religion, a religious practice. It's a religious exercise. It's not intended simply for health benefits. Yeah, and and that's again where a lot of confusion comes in because so many people go into a yoga studio very naively thinking, well, yeah, this is good exercise. I want to have better health. Um, there's really no risk because I'm not going to get involved with the spiritual aspect of any kind of worship. I just want to do the stretches and the strengthening exercises to enhance my health. But what you're basically saying, Deacon Tom, is you can't separate that from the spiritual reality behind the exercise. Correct. And we'll get a little more uh, in depth in terms of just understanding why that is in just a little bit. But, you know, you also have to think about just the environment that you brought into as well. If you look at a majority of yoga classes, they start out with some of these kind of what is considered to be benign poses and practices, even to the places of where you your hand gestures, right? And so one of the things that you'll see on just about any type of yoga advertisement is people adopt this kind of palms together gesture, yes. right? And you'll see, and, and they'll typically have the word namaste, right? Mm -hmm. Attached to that. Right. If it's a more Christian version of yoga, you may not necessarily see those words, but even just the modality of, of placing your hands together in that way is an actual gesture that within yoga and within Hinduism, it's actually intended to create a seal or a gateway. And it's actually known as the heart seal. And so even just putting your, your fingertips to your thumbs, right, is another one. Those are actual religious practices that are part of this religion and it's to facilitate the flow of energy in the body. Right. And so once again, we've talked about many times upon the show that the use of, of alternative forms of healing and the understanding of energy that flows through the roots of Eastern mysticism and how detrimental that it is to our Christian faith. Yeah. And you have here in the notes, I'm going to read this word for word, um, that yoga is a strict spiritual discipline practiced to gain control over the forces of one's being and attain union with one's true self, which is God or Brahman, okay? So a lot of people have no idea that that is the aim of these practices. Mm -hmm. And that's so important for our listeners to understand because, I mean, there is a focus of this exercise and it is a, a, a God that is not the one true God. <laughs> yes, it's definitely, there's an intentionality, right? It's purposeful. And that's how um, anybody who really understands the, the basis or origins of, of yoga um, will express that openly because that's what they believe and that's why they're practicing. That's why they're, they're performing and practicing yoga is for that expressed intent. And so there are also you know, various forms you know, that exist within you know, yoga. So there's, there's Hatha yoga and Japa yoga, Tantra yoga, which actually um, is specifically designed and geared towards opening people to you know, various pleasures. Um, and there's also what's called Kundalini yoga, yoga. And that's not necessarily as 
maybe as common as some of the other ones. But what you'll find is that there are many types of poses um, that actually are brought into the most common, which is Hatha Yoga, which is simply designed for, for stretching. But some of the Kundalini poses are actually mixed in with Hatha Yoga. And Kundalini Yoga is actually intended to produce an actual serpent that forms at the face base of the spine into the, the tailbone goes actually up the spine through your chakras or your energy points and then wraps around your head in order to um, allow the individual to perform some type of spiritual miracles that once you've achieved that type of enlightenment that that serpent-like spirit right allows that individual to um, to achieve things that are beyond their own power yeah and I mean, let's get back to the fact that this is based in a Hindu um, philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. So Hinduism is polytheistic, right? So there are multiple gods. And is it true that some of these um, uh, poses are specific to individual gods within the Hindu religion? Without question. Anybody who does enough research in terms of the connection between Hinduism and yoga, that there are actually three three different, actually, what you would consider to be categories or sets of, of poses within yoga um, that, in essence, are, are linked, right, to the Hindu religion. So there's commemorative poses, which, you know, basically honor people of the past, kind of avatars or, or people um, of their sacred tradition, right? kind of like their saints would be the equivalent. Okay. There's creature and creation poses, which f take the form of different animals, right? As a, as a reverence or, you know, as, um, as a model, right? For, for, for God's creation and, and divine inspiration of creation. And then there's the meditation poses, which directly influence someone in terms of their connection with Brahman, which is in Hinduism, is the supreme being, right? The supreme reality, so to speak, um, and which allows them to then be reincarnated into into the world. Okay, and then you know you mentioned meditation as one of the forms of poses, so let's talk a little tiny bit about that in these last two minutes before we go to break, and and the fact that. Um, the practice of Hinduism focuses on the elimination of self in order to become one with creation. And so the, the practice of meditation, which is often done along with this yoga exercise, is that emptying of self, correct, which poses a risk to Christians. Yes, and so we, we have spoke at length about what is true proper Christian and Catholic meditation, which is focusing on the life of Christ. Exactly. That's the essence of what we talk about when we talk about meditation, because that's safe, right? When we focus on our life of Christ, when we think and, and ponder, right, the scriptures and what Jesus did for each one of us, we think about the very moments, right, of what it means. And so we can grow in our understanding of discipleship. That's what God calls us to. Yeah. I, and again, you know, we're we're talking about this, and I, I, you know, I'm sure there are people who are hearing this who maybe have never heard this kind of detail about why yoga can present or does present risks to Christians. 
Um, but we're going to go, I, I we're going to be going to a commercial break soon, but I hope that you stay tuned because when we come back, we're going to try to go a little deeper into describing the, the major issues about where the confusion lies and what we really should understand as Catholics, Christians who want to stay focused on Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and not get pulled away into other types of worship. This is Letty Medina and Deacon Tom with Fullness of Life. He's blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Join Sports Faith International and WSFI as we host our 13th annual Sports Faith Hall of Fame Saturday, May 22nd, as we recognize outstanding athletes who are exemplary role models. This year inductees, Jim Grabowski of the Super Bowl champion Green Bay Packers, Rich Gannon of the Super Bowl Raiders, an 18-year NFL veteran, Deacon Steve Javi, NBA referee and ESPN commentator, Catholic Memorial Girls Varsity Soccer Team, Indiana's winningest baseball coach, Coach Dave Pishker and American Life League's Hugh Brown. 4 p.m. Mass is at Our Lady of Mount Carmel Parish in Kenosha with Bishop Paprocki and the induction ceremony led by Bears Patrick McCaskey begins at 6 p.m. at the Pleasant Prairie Doubletree Hilton. Visit sportsfaithinternational.org or purchase tickets online at wsficatholicradio.org or call Angela at 847-331-6994 847-331-6994 or visit WSFI sficatholicradio.org Welcome back everyone this is Letty Medina and Deacon Tom and we have been talking for the last uh, several minutes about uh, the practice of yoga and why we want our listeners to understand that there are risks involved with getting um, into yoga as a Christian who believes in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. One of the things I think we really want to talk about is this claim that you will often hear that yoga transcends religion and it can be practiced independent of its Hindu roots. There, again, you know, people say, I just want to get in better health, so why can't I go and do yoga stretches? I'm not doing any anything beyond that. And, and I hear that all the time from all different types of of catholic educators to parishioners to uh, to all different types of people who have really enjoy the practice of yoga right you know they've they've been doing it for years they don't see anything wrong with it they've never had any type of negative or detrimental effects and so they just continue to perpetuate in their involvement in it right thinking that well it, it's it's harmless up to this point, so you know I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. Exactly. In terms of my own spiritual health and well-being, but the reality is, is that we can't separate yoga and its origins, um, and and simply state the fact that it's we just do it simply for exercise alone. The origins are such that that we can't. It, we can't separate out the two. As many people would love to be able to do that, and they think, well, you know, my will and my intent, right, is the fact that I don't really have no interest in, in Hinduism or anything along those lines, and so therefore it's not going to affect me. Well, 
the reality is is that you are engaging in a spiritual practice that's where the origins come from and you are actually giving praise by doing these poses that are giving praise and honor to these Hindu gods. Yeah. You are giving praise and worship regardless of what you believe it to be simply by doing the poses you are you are worshiping these other gods and that's where the the spiritual conflict arises because you're breaking the first commandment. Yeah. You know, and that's and, and there's there's really there's no leeway in terms of that. That's right. that's really the reality of, of what's transpiring. Yeah. And just again, a reminder to those who may not remember the first commandment, I am the Lord your God and you shall have no other gods before me. And so I just want to kind of paint another example in the sense of just from from maybe the opposite perspective. Okay. We believe in our Catholic tradition that our physical worship of God, there's a significance, right? Take simply the sign of the cross. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a physical sign that recalls our own Christian baptism. And we would never think, I don't believe, that we would say that you can remove the spirituality of that physical gesture. When we mark ourselves with the sign of the cross, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we are marking and signing ourselves. We are making a physical prayer and gesture in relationship to the God that we love. We do the same thing we genuflect. We do the same thing that we kneel and stand at various parts of the Mass. The priest himself does various physical gestures on behalf of the the congregation in the celebration of the Mass. And you can't separate those Mm -hmm. things out. That's part of who we are as human beings, that we are body and soul. And you can't separate the body from the soul any more than you can separate the poses from the spirituality. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful example. And I mean, think about it. And maybe, you know, people don't take the time to think about the power of the gesture we make with the sign of the cross, right? We're basically making a sign saying, I belong to Jesus Christ. It's that straightforward. Anybody who sees a person marking themselves with the cross knows that that person is a Christian. There's no question. And so there, that is a perfect example of how these poses are saying, well, I, I am giving myself to these other gods, even if they don't realize it, because the, the poses mean something in that religion. And, and we hope that we, we have a deeper appreciation of our own Catholic and Christian faith, that as we understand what God calls us to and the beautiful and extraordinary life that he desires for us, that those physical gestures that we participate in are not simply just overlooked or glossed over. That when we genuflect as we enter into a pew, that we see it as a beautiful and extraordinary sign of reverence to the God that we love, that we are kneeling before Jesus, right? That we were kneeling before his very altar of sacrifice. And so those things, as we green a reverence for all of those gestures, we take a look at the world around us through different eyes. And when you look at those things, and then you look at, at the potential of doing things that we know are in contrary to our, our true faith, they become less appealing. Yeah. I want to read this quote um, uh, from this professor, Subhas Tiwari, 
at the Hindu University of America, and he holds a master's degree in yoga philosophy. And he basically said this effort to extricate yoga from its Hindu mold and cast it under another name is far from innocent. Newly minted Christian yoga, quote unquote, is really yoga. It doesn't, just because you put Christian in front of it, doesn't extricate it from its Hindu origins. And I think coming from a, an expert in Hindu religion and philosophy, we need to take note of that. For sure. But I think we also need to, to take note of the beautiful document that the Vatican actually came out with just recently. And so for years and years and years, this, you know, many different things within the New Age movement have, have grown in popularity. And the church had, had yet to address it up until now. And so the Vatican recently released a 62-page pontifical document, and the name of it is Jesus Christ, the Bearer of the Water of Life, a Christian Reflection on the New Age. And it speaks to its concern and the dangers of participating in any of these New Age practices, one of which is explicitly by name includes yoga. Yes. And so you'll also, with that, you'll, you'll notice that there are many other bishops and, and clergy that are starting to recognize some of the ways in which, you know, people are, are getting themselves caught up into some of these things. And it's becoming spiritually problematic. Father Morth, which we know is one of the Vatican exorcists, says yoga, Zen, and tantric meditations are unacceptable to Christians and that they open ourselves, right, to to things that the demonic introduces into our lives, whether or not we obviously desire that byproduct by doing some of these things, whether through ignorance or not, we are entertaining those things that can that can pose real conflicts in, in our relationship with God. Yeah, and I think, again, what, why are we having this show focused on a topic that is quite controversial because we're trying to give the facts brothers and sisters about an area that is very very confusing for a lot of people and i'll just be totally honest and transparent on this there was a time when i practiced a bit of yoga because i didn't understand the issue and i remember asking a number of different priests and i got different answers from each of the priests that i asked because they didn't understand the, the teaching on this issue. And, and and it's like you said, Deacon Tom, it's partly because this Vatican document didn't come out until recent years. So we're learning more and more about the dangers of some of these Eastern practices that can pull us away from our roots in Christ. And we don't want that to happen to any of us, right? Of course not. And I think when we when we take a look at anything as part of, of our life, especially in this area of, of, well, it's just exercise. Well, if it's just exercise, then there wouldn't be documented cases of people with spiritual flexion as a result of just exercise. Exactly. People don't get spiritually afflicted because they're lifting weights or jogging or swimming. Right. There's been no documented cases <laughs> in any of those areas, but there are genuine cases of spiritual affliction because of yoga. And I think we have to take note of that. We can't close our eyes and be ignorant of the fact that there is definitely a spiritual link and a connection that exists between yoga and, you know, the spiritual realm. Yeah. And so, again, I want to be very clear on this. Uh, What does it even mean to have a spiritual affliction? It means that there is 
a spiritual presence that that can enter into a person um, if all the circumstances are right through this practice because the spirits tied to this practice are not of divine origin not from the one true god that we uh, we believe in alone and i want to read from from a passage of scripture from john 10 and and we probably have heard this many, many times over, but I think it's really relevant when we talk about any of these types of issues. And it says, you know, when he has driven out all of his own, he walks ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice, but they will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of strangers. And says, so Jesus said again, amen, amen, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus is calling us in our own life to recognize that he is the good shepherd and that there are many, many alternative voices that exist within the world that draw us away from those safe pastures that he offers and desires for us to reside in. And so we need to recognize when Jesus is calling us, right? And to recognize when some of those other false voices, right, are trying to draw us away. Exactly. And, you know, again, I was ignorant when I was practicing it. I really didn't understand that it was uh, open, potentially opening doors in my life to something that was not of God. But, you know, you point out uh, that ignorance is not a defense because the spirits tied to these practices, they don't care if you're ignorant. They're going to ta- take advantage of the fact that you're opening doors and allowing them in, you know. And so, again, w- this is what Deacon Tom and I see as we are involved in healing ministry. We encounter people who have very naively gone to practice yoga or practice, um, go, go to a um, palm reader or something, thinking very naively that there's no risk to doing these practices. And the darkness that is present within these practices says, yeah, well, too bad you didn't know it, but now I've got some control in your life. And the biggest thing that I hear from people who, you know, come to, to receive healing and, and freedom is, well, I didn't believe it. Yes. I didn't, I didn't believe it. I didn't, I didn't think that this was real. Well, that doesn't necessarily absolve you of the fact that you're still engaging in these practices, yes. right? From from the alternative perspective, it's still an invitation. Yes. It's still exercising curiosity. And particularly when it comes to these types of things, your physical body is even engaged, right? In, in these processes, right? Yeah. And so anytime that you you know, enter into some of, of these new age practices that the church has already, you know, spoken against for our own well-being, for our own health and safety, we need to pay attention. Yes. And I think, again, just to point out some other things that might lead to confusion, perhaps some of you listening in have gone and talked to a priest about this, because maybe you've heard that there's potential risk, and a priest has told you, oh, that's nonsense, it's no big deal at all. Um, we would encourage you to turn to this Vatican document and read for yourself what the hierarchy of the church has determined to be the safest route forward. We have to be obedient to the church and its teachings. It's established to help us 
to stay within the sheep vault, right? And, you know, God bless the priests and nuns who have gotten involved in these practices. They, they don't know themselves what they are doing when they open the door to these practices. And so don't allow yourselves to be led astray. Do your own research and homework about what the church teaches in its, in its faithfulness. So, okay, we only have a minute left. Uh, what we want to say as we close is we're going to talk next month a little bit more about about healing and and deliverance from from some of the evil spirits right that are attached to some of these new age practices and what that looks like right how the process goes right and how jesus christ who is our lord and savior directs us and leads us out of those areas of darkness and how that's even possible Exactly. And so thank you all for tuning in. This will, uh, this will be a podcast available. If you have people you want to share this kind of news with, please uh, look for our podcast, Fullness of Life, Letty Medina and Deacon Tom, and we will see you next month. God bless you all. God bless.